Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Rob Zammett and welcome to another episode of The Doggy Pod. Yeah, thanks for joining us once again. I'm producer Stephen Peters and we, as always, have an info-filled show for you today. Yeah, look, thank you so much for listening too because you've made this one of the most popular podcasts, not just in Australia, but from the emails we get all around the world. Uh, Like each week we get to dive deep into the world of dogs that Stephen and I love so much. This week we're going to talk about is it a myth to let your dog smell your outstretched hands when it's a strange dog you're meeting? Yeah, we've got um, a few things to talk about today actually, including an interesting question from one of our listeners, um, uh, which reminds me that if you do have a question, please send them to the doggypod at gmail.com each week and Rob will try to get to them or we will get to them eventually, so keep listening. Um, But I just wanted to, before we get too far into the show, talk about this heartbreaking story that was in the news a couple of weeks ago where um, the body of a missing woman was found along with her dog um, that refused to leave her side. Now, this was in Victoria, here in Australia, um, where police performed, I'm reading this from the news article, an extensive search for a a woman from the Southern Grampians, which is um, in a rural part of Victoria. I won't mention her name. The 84-year-old had been found, but they were too late. She was missing for 11 days and her loyal dog had stayed with her the entire time. Uh, The dog survived, uh, emaciated, but uh, they stayed with her the whole time. Um, What is it with dogs, Rob, and and loyalty to to their owners? It's just, I mean, that's just amazing. 11 days with no food or water and just staying by their owner who who had died. It's a little bit about what, what we always say. It's unconditional love that they have and loyalty. It's in their yeah. very DNA. We have selected 
dogs to live with us for quite a long time. Dogs came you know, quite a few thousand years ago. They started working with us to help us with herding animals and hunting and those sort of things. And then they help in all sorts of ways. We know, you know, bomb detection, all those working things they do, the very eyes for blind people, they are amazing what they can do and how they allow us to condition them so that their talents can be used to our advantage. The reason they allow all that is that we have selected time and time again for dogs that are wanting to be with us. It's in their DNA. Unwittingly, we've done the same with most of us. Most humans love being with dogs. You know, it's been shown. That's, yeah, that, it's a wonderful synergy, isn't it, really? Oh, it is. It's fantastic. I mean, you lower your blood pressure just by patting a dog. You know, just patting a dog will lower your blood pressure. What's that all about? That's mm. just an amazing aspect of human nature <clears throat> relating to dogs as well. So this loyalty thing <clears throat> is something that has gone on for, for just literally thousands of years in that, that, as you say, the synergy between humans and canine, domestic canines, it's just something that's gone on. We've seen it also with sometimes with wild dogs. You know, they will relate to a, a person that may be feeding them and then they come in. You know, wild canines, I'm not talking about domesticated dogs. Dogs that are always wild can sometimes relate. Some wolves do have related to humans, for example. We've seen that now that wolf is the biggest and most ferocious, if you like, of the canine species. But even they will come in and, and want to be with humans at times, most certainly with canines, we have selected for it in their DNA, so they will stay with them. There are many stories about dogs sitting on their owners' graves for a long time. One dog uh, in a village sat on his owner's grave virtually for so long that the villagers built a, sh a little um, shelter they, for him. They built a little kennel for him, didn't they? Yeah. Yep, yep. They, they fed him every day and, and whatever, but he stayed there until he died with old age, wouldn't mm. leave the grave site of his owner. Now that's just phenomenal, isn't it? Just we don't. So bot understand. bottom line, even if you're being greedy, you should have a dog just for your own benefit, your own, for you know all the good things that and that can come from that in your life. But I'm sure there's probably not many people listening to this podcast that don't have a dog. I'm guessing. And there's no one listening to this podcast that doesn't love a dog or like a dog at least. I'm sure. And otherwise, no, why are you listening? Probably just well, no. Like if listening you do know someone that doesn't, on. if you do know someone that doesn't like a dog, that really doesn't like a dog, report them to the police. Yeah, they're immediately. Def definitely pathological people, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> also, um, just before we talk about what happened in the clinic this week, I, I did want to give a quick shout-out um, for a new children's book. If you've got young kids and you're thinking of getting a dog, there's a new children's book coming out called uh, What to Know Before You Get Your Dog. Now, this is not a paid uh, sponsorship or endorsement or anything. We just had a look at it and thought, yeah, it's a, it's a really good book. What Ooh. to Know Before You Get Your Dog. Um, and it's it's a sort of picture book for kids, and it's really good just to, for the basics of what to expect um, when you when you do get your dog, which is obviously a super important thing to do for kids, I reckon. Anyway, um, oh well, I'll endorse something there too, Stephen. That mm -hmm. the American Society of Child Psychology and Adolescent Psychology showed that children that do grow up with dogs and are taught to be responsible are more empathetic and sympathetic as adults. So really, a dog for a child, ideal. And if you can get a book like this, which teaches the child, you know, from the child's perspective, what it has to do for the dogs, oh, fantastic. I can't, can't praise it enough. Well done. Mm. Yeah.
how's the surgery? I, I know you had uh, you had a very interesting case this week that generated uh, a bit of chatter yeah. on, on social media. Do you want to just talk us through what, did. Uh, yeah, what happened? Yeah, this puppy came in and it couldn't walk properly. Really, it was a uh, 10, 12-week-old puppy of a big breed and it was having trouble walking and, you know, the owner was saying, oh, is this genetic? Is this genetic? And I said, it doesn't look genetic to me. And I kept watching the way this pup walked. It was having trouble both with its front legs and its back legs. The front legs were, uh, the feet were splayed out and it was down on its pastern. You know, it's, it, instead of being upright a bit on those pasterns, the pastern was laying right down. Trouble with the back what legs. What is that? What, well. what are you calling it? The pasterns are the, uh, the wrist from the wrist down. Oh, okay. That's right. the pastern of the dog. And just there, there was, a big, there was a big angle. And the hind legs were you know, very uh, tender on the hind legs, having trouble with the hind legs. We x-rayed it and found very thin bone, very thin bone, no calcium in the bone. And also the bones were folding in. The, the, some of the big bones, the femur and the tibia. And I put an uh, x-ray up on Instagram. Uh, and I you know, asked the you owner, know, what were you feeding? She said, oh, raw diet. And so all the raw diet people came on and said, oh, yeah, you're making out like raw diets are bad. I'm not making out the raw diets are bad. And someone even came out and said, what would you know? You've never even fed a raw diet. And I'm sorry. One thing I, I don't like about social media is the personal attacks. If you uh, have to do a personal attack, remember that may reflect your uh, intelligent quotient, which you prefer not to have on display. <laughs> Um, but but debate on it, sure, that's fine. Now, I went back to this woman and I said, we've got a problem here. This dog has a condition called secondary nutritional hyperparathyroidism. In other words, the diet is too high in phosphorus. That's the bottom line. And I'm going to go, this is going to take a little while, Stephen, but a dog's diet should have a calcium to phosphorus ratio of 1.2 to 1. That just means more calcium, than phosphorus, if you don't like numbers. Phosphorus More, coming from what sort of foods? Mainly meat. Meat is very high in phosphorus with very little, with no calcium. And so I said to the woman, what do you think? She said, oh, raw diet. And I said, that's the problem. She said, I can't be. She said, I've been feeding this for over 30 years. Well, I've been feeding dogs for now coming up nearly 60 years. But, but when you say raw wrong... diet, what do you what do you? Well, that's mean? right. I mean, people say raw diets and they don't always say a proper balanced diet. That's the issue. Uh, I don't like the word raw diet because raw diet suggests raw vegetables. Now, a dog's intestinal tract is very short compared to a human's. That's the first thing we, we learn when you look studying anatomy. A short intestinal tract cannot absorb, cannot digest much from raw vegetables. Now, dogs have evolved, canine, you know, domestic dogs have evolved eating um, cooked vegetables in the wild. Now, hang on before you say, how could they get cooked vegetables in the wild? When a pack makes a kill, the first place they go to is where the soft meat is, in other words, the belly. What's in the belly? Well, there's blood and fat there as well. They love the taste of that. And so while they're literally tearing into that, they're getting all the cooked vegetable matter that's in the intestinal tract of the herbivore. Inside the herbivore, all the vegetable matter that they uh, consume literally gets cooked. Yeah, you know, if you dropped yourself into the room of the cow, you'd be cooked through in five to ten minutes. Wouldn't mm. take long. That's just the way it is. In a horse they have a big cecum. That cooks a lot of the food. So they get all this cooked vegetable matter. 
plus meat, plus bone, because they'll go through the, the uh, rib cage and pick up calcium there. And it's a balanced diet. So and for those people who said, oh, what would I know? I've never done it. Well, you actually haven't followed what I have done. Uh, back in the, the days, Steve and I were on a TV show called Burke's Backyard, and I actually... I think it's best we don't mention that. We won't mention the war. But but I I did actually uh, show a a diet of cooked vegetables, meat, bone, and and some supplements on that show. I did the same thing on the midday show. And I do feed some of my dogs raw food. Not raw diet, sorry, not raw food. um, A non-commercial food. A lot of people also say to me, oh, my dog just won't eat dry food. So what? I don't... I do feed my dogs dry food mixed with some meat, and some dogs no dry food. It varies because each dog is an individual. To get a balanced diet, you have to understand the anatomy of the dog. So he's got this short track that won't absorb grated vegetables. You have to also understand that a dog's anatomy is such that it can't, doesn't have any areas that can digest it, uh, raw vegetables at all, the cecum of dogs very, very small and can cause problems to them. And also you need to understand the physiology. You need to make sure that your uh, non-commercial diet does have the right amount of calcium. So what's a good non-commercial diet for me? I like to give uh, a, an occasional raw egg, and when I give that egg, shell and all, I will give some meat, I give cooked vegetables, I give some cooked grain, and, of course, some raw bones. Uh, the type of bones. I do not feed chicken bones uh, because they cause a lot of problems, uh, not just getting caught in the dog, but also causing bacterial problems in dogs over and over again. Lots of you out there are probably screaming the raw, raw diet people saying, oh, I've been doing that for years. Okay, you can. But when it's your dog that comes down with a problem because of a chicken bone, it's not, you don't care what the statistics are. You don't care how long you've been doing it for. So the raw bones that I like are rib bones, brisket bones, and lamb necks. I've said that over and over on this show. and They're the sort of things. When I feed a raw diet, I also measure everything. I weigh my foods out, and I work out the percentage of phosphorus in there, and I'll supplement with a calcium supplement. The calcium supplements I like is a calcium supplement that does not have any phosphorus in it, it's going to have calcium, it's going to have magnesium and vitamin D. They're the three things I like in a calcium supplement. And I usually go to a chemist and buy human tablets. You know, they're, they're well compounded, put together well, and dissolve quickly in the Is it, is in it hard to get stomach. the right dosage for that? Like, how do you um, know what Well, what you've, got to, wait, you've got to see what, what, how much the dog weighs, what it's calcium. Yeah, the calcium requirement of a, a young puppy is uh, sorry, 550 milligrams per kilogram. Uh, you've got to get, see what's in the diet and then decide, right, I need to supplement so much calcium. You don't want to overdo the calcium, but you certainly want to make sure it's up there. Because, as I say, if you're giving a high meat diet and no supplements, no calcium, the body monitors it, the gland, the parathyroid gland says, uh-oh, we've got too much phosphorus in the blood, and so it releases calcium from the bone into the blood so the calcium and phosphorus ratio in the blood is correct and all the muscles, the most important muscle in the body being the heart, are happy. Muscles can't function on low calcium in the blood. But the bone has suffered if it's giving out all the time. I went back to this woman and I said, look, now, the x-rays are quite clear what's going on. 
this diet's not good for this dog. So just to and be clear for our listeners now, if you look at our follow us on Instagram, you would have seen uh, Dr. Rob posted the x-ray of uh, this dog's, was it a hind leg? Um, yes, the tibia. Yeah, and uh, it, it did have quite a quite a bend in it, didn't it? Yeah. So anyway, but I said to this woman, you said you've been doing this for 30 years. I know this breed quite well. I've never seen your name come up. Well, I'll, I, this is my first litter of this particular breed. I said, oh, so what have you been feeding up to now? And uh, to, What dogs have you been feeding up to now? And, of course, it was a much smaller breed of dog uh, that didn't have the requirements because that's the other thing you need to understand when you formulate a diet. I don't believe one diet can do all. You've got to be very careful. Yeah, we have to remember that the species domestic dogs has the most variation ever of any species on this planet that's current or past. So no a diet species. for a big dog can be really different. It's, to it's a got diet to be for very different dog. for it. Like a Chihuahua, the diet for a Chihuahua, you've got to make sure you've got the right amount of ready available um, correct sugars in there because they get hypoglycemia, low blood sugar. Uh, a, a Irish Wolfhound, great big dog with great big bone, they can metabolise foods quite quickly and look after their sh- blood sugars, but their calcium levels have to be spot on or they suffer. And the other thing you need to remember, a puppy finishes its growth by 9 to 12 months of age. That's it. Some will go a little bit longer with maturing, but their, their bones are pretty set by 12 months of age. Now, if you get it wrong in that, in that 12 months, they suffer very quickly. They're growing fast and they suffer, suffer quickly. Me, it took me 21 years to get this ugly, and then I just got uglier. But if you make a mistake in nutrition during that time, you've got plenty of time to correct it. You do not have that privilege with dogs. You've got to get it right from the get-up. Otherwise, the dog, like that poor dog, was suffering terribly. Uh, we took that dog in, gave it calcium, and I, I, I fed it home for a little while. And it's already picking up, and it's got it's gone to its owners today, actually, uh, with calcium and and a diet chart. All very good advice, Rob. So feeding your dog's not as straightforward as we all thought. Well, no, it, it really isn't. I mean, yeah, we can just get some dry food out. That's boring. As, never mind. Yeah, for a dog, um, <laughs> and it is boring. I mean, dry food is convenient, but absolutely boring. Uh, dogs don't mind eating the same food every day. But they do have, like, you, know, te- you can test it out, a little bit of meat, a little bit of dry food. What's it going to go for first? Most dogs will go for the meat. I'm not saying it should be just dry food. I'm not saying it should be certainly, definitely not saying it should be just meat. You can add flavours to your dry food. When we live in Australia. For those overseas listeners, I'm sorry, but one thing that my dogs do love, Vegemite. <laughs> Some Vegemite on a cold day. Vegemite. Uh, yeah, I put some Vegemite, mix it with some hot water, and then as it cools down just a bit, I mix it with their dry food and oh, a yummy. bit of whatever else I'm giving. And dogs love it. Oh, They're yeah. into it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a meat product. They, it's not a meat product. It's a vegetable no, it's, product. Well, it's yeast. It's, it's that lovely yeast salty product. yeast. Yes. But, yeah, don't over, again, don't overdo it. The one thing that you never should do, you should never promote or demote any one thing in the dog's diet. If you, know, if you promote a particular ingredient all the time, say, oh, I give him plenty of this, that's when you're going to get into trouble. The word is balanced. A bit of everything, and you won't get into too much strife.
so we've all been in the position where we're going to somebody's house or we're meeting somebody out in a park or or whatever and we're meeting a new dog a dog we've never met before now i don't know about you uh, but i kind of have gotten in the habit of when you put your outstretched hand out you sort of let it have a bit of a smell first before you go and give it a big hug or a pat and uh, i don't know if that's the best thing to do or not um I've actually been bitten once by a dog that I that I did that. I put my outstretched <laughs> hand and I bit my hand. Anyway, um, what's what's the best thing to do if you are meeting a dog for the first time and you're not quite sure whether it's a, a super friendly dog or a nervous dog or a slightly aggro dog? Yeah, look, it's it's sort of a half truth almost, if you like, because what happens is the dog doesn't need your hand to smell who you are. He knows and smelt you. As when you're probably outside, but I had he a shower that morning. Smelt you? Oh, no, he, trust me. He says you are smelly, <laughs> and they they can smell you know ten thousand plus times what we can smell, so they know your smell. The outstretched hand is a little bit like when the dog submits to you. He'll often lift his paw and give his paw to you, and that that that's dog submitting. Not totally. He's not throwing himself on his back and exposing his jugular, his, his actual neck to you, that's total submission. But when they're just giving you a paw, like shake hands, for example, that's a submission from the dog doing that. They do that to the pack leader. When the pack leader comes down on them, they start leaving the paw out as if to saying, yep, I submit. When we put out our hand, we're saying, it's okay, we're not going to hurt you, we're semi-submitting to you. What you don't want to do is push push it, you know, push the hand fast to the dog, push the hand continually if the dog's going backwards, keep going, oh, no, you've got to smell the hand, you've got to smell the hand. And I've had people do that. Said, Stop doing that. Just stand still. Let the but dog you, But are you saying that you. the dog re- would recognise that an outstretched hand is is it, a some level it, of submission? It's not, yeah, it's not dissimilar to, to it's, you're not submitting to it, but you're saying, it's okay, I'm not here to hurt you. It's a bit like they when they do that with their paw, they're saying the same thing. They'll often do it when they want to play, of course. They just try and whack you with their paw. But if it's just an outstretched paw, it's, it's a submissive thing. And they're seeing some of that in us. That, that what we're saying to them by doing that is we're not being aggressive here. We're not going to try and attack you or attack your owner. And inside, stay calm. Don't think, oh, wonderful, this little dog's going to come up and I'm going to pat it or... or feel fear or anything like that just stay calm so the dog stays calm because the dog knows um when you're not if you all of a sudden you know get excited because you're gonna it's a dog that you want to pat or something he may might see that there's a bit of aggression because you're coming in too fast stay calm let the dog come to you if he doesn't want to come to you fine that's no big deal he can still smell you from where you are trust me even if you did shower this morning Stephen, he, he will smell you from a long way away um, and so, know who you are. So generally speaking, that that is a good thing to do. Yeah, just put your hand yeah. out, like good dog, and just calm. And the dog doesn't want to come, that's fine. Don't go pushing it further. If the dog comes up and sniffs, that's fine. Uh, no big deal. But he's he's just accepting your, if you like, handshake, you know, your semi-submission. He, he recognises it as a, as a gesture. Exactly right. Well said.
All right, once again, thank you to everybody who sends in questions to thedoggypod at gmail.com. Here's one from Carolyn, Nick and Ollie. Now, Ollie uh, is a greyhound. And um, here's what they say. We are currently travelling from Canberra to the south coast and as we descend the Clyde Mountain Pass, my husband and I uh, experienced popped ears, which made us curious about whether Ollie the greyhound, or I guess any dog, would uh, have the same experience. Uh, so, Ro- uh, Rob, can dogs' ears pop is the question, I guess. Yeah, very much so. The reason our ears pop is the difference in pressure from one side, the, the environmental side, to the other side of the e- eardrum, inside the ear. There's a difference in pressure. Now, uh, ears pop, if you like, to try and equalise that pressure. It's like scuba divers. Scuba divers... As they start going down, and Stephen, you know, because I taught you to scuba dive many years ago. Yes, we have. And, we have been scuba diving a couple of times. And I said, always hold your nose and gently um, uh, blow into that area, put some pressure, and that equalizes the pressure inside the ear with the pressure on the outside the, you know, as you're going further down. Same with dogs. This happens with dogs as well, especially in airplanes. We get a bit worried about them. So it's a good idea to give them something to chew on that they can not so much swallow the item but something they can make saliva with and swallow because the other way that scuba divers sometimes can equalize the ears is simply by swallowing swallowing equalizes the pressure on the inside of the ear with the outside and that's what dogs will do if you watch your dog when caroline when you're going down that steep mountain and for those people that don't know at clyde mountain it's quite a steep descent from up the top of the mountains down to the coastal area of bega beautiful area of, of the New South Wales South Coast, but it's a steep descent and you'll see your dog swallowing more to equalise. Dogs do it pretty naturally, uh, generally speaking, but you can make it a bit easier for your dog, giving them something to eat, maybe a little piece of chicken they can chew and swallow as you're going down there, something soft. Some people use bread, uh, just a little piece of bread because it you know, causes a lot of saliva because it's dry, and then again the dog swallows and equalises that pressure because the pressure can be very painful if you don't do that. In fact, scuba divers divers learn that if you don't do it properly, you'll rupture your eardrum, which you don't want to happen to your dog. Uh, Fortunately, dogs aren't that silly. They swallow and equalise quite well on steep descents. So, So the bottom line is that if your ears are popping and you're with your dog, your dog's ears are probably popping as well. So yeah. uh, if, if you know you're going to be in that situation, yeah, that's, that's a good bit of advice, Rob. Thanks. Pleasure. All right. It's that sad time in the show where we have to say goodbye. And um, for our regular listeners, we're actually going to take, uh, Rob and myself, we're going to take a short break, probably just for a few weeks, uh, before we start what will be Series 3 of the doggy pod uh we're up to our third series there's so many episodes so if you uh, feel like you're missing us <laughs> go to uh go to your podcast platform and uh, there are quite a lot of uh, earlier episodes there might have been one or two that you've missed uh but we'll only be gone for a few weeks and uh, if you follow us on instagram and facebook which you should be doing um we'll give you lots of uh, lots of warning when we're back and uh and also there'll you know we'll be posting during that period as well so uh thank you again for listening and we will see you uh and hear from you uh, all in a few weeks time words of wisdom rob please well firstly everybody please stay safe 
every, each and every one of you. Uh, I hope that uh, you can stay saner than the non-dog person, of course, because you have your dog beside you to help you through these very difficult times uh, of COVID that we are in at the moment as we record this show. So please stay safe. And one important piece of advice, I think, is try and become the person that your dog thinks you are. You've already said that one, Rob. Oh, no. It's time to think of it again after some of the things I've heard on Instagram. (laughs) Does that mean you're running out of words of wisdom? Oh, no. I've got plenty more. But just reminding people that one. (laughs) It's just an old one that I still love. See you all later. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.